to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Well, I am so excited to have Dr. Kristen Donnelly on our show today. She is a TEDx speaker, international empathy educator, and researcher with two decades of experience in helping people understand the beauty in difference and the power in inclusivity. She is one of the good doctors of Abbey Research, Chief Operations Officer of their parent company, and an unapologetic nerd for stories of change. Kristen lives outside Philadelphia with her husband, where they are surrounded by piles of books and several video game consoles. Kristen, welcome to Momnificent. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Karen. This is a joy. And where are you enjoying Momnificent from today? Are you in Philly? I am indeed. Yep. I'm at home for one of the very rare uh, times at home these days. But happy. Oh, oh, because you're traveling so much. I do. Yeah, I get yeah. to serve. I get to serve all over the show, which is beautiful. But also I miss my dad. So yes. Right. Excited I to be totally home. Get. Well, you're only an hour away from me. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I'm right here in Delaware, right down the street. <laughs> Delightful. Yeah. I'm like Philadelphia. You're like the closest guest I've had in a while. <laughs> it's kind Amazing. of fun. Oh, well, what's one thing you haven't done recently um, that just brings you joy? Going on a cruise. <gasps> so oh my that's, gosh. Tell me. we haven't, we had a couple scheduled um, during the various lockdowns. Uh, but it's the, it's like the one vacation I can truly find rest on. Uh, famously, the only place I nap is uh, at our family beach house or on a cruise ship. So Isn't it's the only time I can truly let go. Um, yeah. So I am ready for that experience again, where I'm just in the middle of the ocean and I can let go. Yeah, we have one scheduled, excuse me. <clears throat> we have one scheduled in the fall and I'm very ready. Oh, good. You're like, can it get here any quicker? Any, can we hit fast forward? No, there's so much good stuff happening between now and then, but I'm, I'm ready to, to walk on, on that ship in a couple months. Oh my gosh. Right. It's like the feeling of just totally unplugging and it's okay. Yep. Yeah. It's expected. In fact. Yes. How, how long is the cruise? I think this one's 10 days. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Yes. And we're going so, up the New England coast. So we'll go oh. up into Canada and yeah, I'm really excited. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Seven days is never enough. Like 10 days is good. Two weeks is always better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've done it all. We've done the whole, the whole gamut. So 10 is probably my favorite. Yeah. 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 That's a good, oh, I'm so excited for you. All right. So Kristen, for those who may not know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're passionate about and your message that you are, are living by these days? I would be delighted. I am passionate about helping people understand each other better. And I have been convinced throughout my life, through a family that taught understanding, through a lot of academic training that teaches understanding, that the real reason we can't have conversations with each other anymore is that we carry around these fear machines that tell us who people are instead of letting us discover it for ourselves. So I love helping people understand each other. I believe that curiosity is a superpower. 
And if the more you can cultivate it, uh, the, the better it is. But also that empathy is not actually connected to emotions the way that we think it is. And instead is something we can all learn and cultivate because what empathy is, is a consistent intentional decision to choose understanding over assumptions. So good, so good. So I, I really love like everything you just said because I, I work really hard at seeking first to understand um, and have adopted a phrase I've learned over time when there's an issue with maybe a, a teacher because I'm an elementary school principal or with a kid. And it is the question, help me understand. So there's things that I see, for example, the other day we have, you, you have to come in an hour before the end of the day for recess. It's like part of the admin memo, like the nurse has to call a parent, I guess, if they got hurt before the end of the day. And my kindergartners were walking in like 30 minutes before the end of the day and like inside I'm like, er, why are you doing this, you know? So instead of being like, you know, why are you guys doing this? You know, we aren't supposed to do this. Why are, you know, you, 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 you gotta get back on track X, Y, and Z. Then I stopped myself in my tracks and I, use the question, hey team leader, can you help me understand? I noticed you came in 30 minutes. Like maybe there was something going on that 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 I had no idea about, but sometimes something looks one way and we just barrel right into it. I'll speak for myself. So just that simple thing you said, like is totally huge. I mean, we're as a business owner, like that's even in disciplinary meetings. Like we say now, like, can you tell me the story of this decision? Like, how'd you, how'd you get to this? Um, you know, we're like, we just need to understand what really happened here. And somebody taught me a little while ago that our brains are inherently lazy. They are afraid of change and their job is to keep us safe. So what, and they don't like learning new things. Brains are inherently lazy. And so what they do is very quickly categorize everyone we've ever met into everyone we ever meet into existing categories of people we've met before. This is one of the reasons that like we, you do get triggered by memories because our brains only carry so many things. Brains are for having ideas, not for keeping them. And so as we have these ideas about people, we just slap them in really quickly. The thing is, we are the only mammals who are more powerful than our brains. And we can choose to rewrite those patterns. It's practice and it's challenging, but it's possible. And so if we choose to do that, Everything gets both wider and more specific because you begin to understand what you can and cannot control. And so this overwhelming global anxiety we all have right now, which is totally valid because none of us are built to live through this stuff, becomes easier to manage when we understand that you absolutely 100% cannot control if other people around you wear masks or not. You can't. You can control what you do. So focus on that, make your choice and move forward with the world. But you, but yelling at someone on Twitter or ju judging them or spending all of your energy judging them silently on the plane is not going to help anybody except your, you know, purchase of Tums to deal with your anxiety. Right. So the more you understand humanity, the more you understand your place in it. And I love, and it, it takes your energy. Yeah, I'm and always you saying spend it on other things. Yes, which is yes. Like, I, I, I'm always saying like I only have so much energy. Well, everybody only has so much energy in one day. So, am I going to choose to uh, get upset about that? And, and and a lot of times it's something that hasn't even happened yet. But it is like, oh no, this, oh no, that. And it's funny. I, I'll tell my teachers, I'm like, okay, you're right. That could be scary, but it hasn't happened yet. 
So why don't we just see what happens and then we'll deal with whatever happens. <laughs> yeah, because I do that or I'll say like, what's the worst case scenario? Yes. Like that's talk a good one. to me about the worst case that this can get. And oftentimes the worst case is that you'll be embarrassed. Mm. Yeah, okay. Interesting. The worst case is that you have to apologize for something. Right. What's so bad The worst that? case is that you might lose some money, which is terrible. So let's make sure we have some other. So now you can start doing a cost benefit analysis. The worst case scenario is that somebody dies. Okay, let's step back from that decision. But very, very rarely is the worst case scenario like deathly peril. We just pretend it is because our brains are designed to keep us safe. And we associate it for some bizarre reason that I don't understand brains, but we associate shame with like a social death. Mm. And so we do everything we can to avoid that social death. Yeah, I know. And sometimes I'm like, just, just, just say you're sorry. Like, it's okay. It'll be okay. You, you can say that. I say it to a parent. I'll say it to a kid. But, but you're right. It's like this protective mechanism that kicks in and, 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 and it really is okay. And, and it'll show the other person that you're just like them and you're very human. <laughs> we're all human and none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> like none of us it's know so how true. human. We're all figuring it out as we go along. And so let's figure it out together. And we're all watching each other, right? And we're like, oh my gosh, they look like they have it perfectly together. No, here's the newsflash. No one has it together. <laughs> the mom that looks like she has it all together has no, I was just talking to a parent the other day because I'm hosting a mental health summit this this weekend. And a parent was like, "Every everyone's like, you're the most calm person. And I'm like, okay, you don't see me like behind closed doors. Like you just see me when you see me out here and I look like it's all fine. It's not all fine. I'm like, and that's okay. Can we just get to the point where it's like, it's okay? Hey there, it's Karn. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course, Three Steps to Happy Healthy Kids at www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy, healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today. And the other thing, I'll say this too. So I am intentionally child-free and that's something that I, a choice I made when I was 11, I started telling people I wasn't ever going to have kids. Um, so my sweet Irish Catholic husband, you know, had to decide if he liked me, um, enough and we're almost 10 years in. So, so far he's on board. Um, but people ask me all the time, like, how do you do it? How do you do what you do? Oh my gosh, you do it all. And I try to be so quick to say, I don't have kids, pets, or plants. I am not in charge of keeping anything alive, but me. <laughs> and I don't do housework. I don't cook. I don't clean. I'll chip in. But my husband is the primary carer of our home because it doesn't spark joy for me. My gifts are in other areas. I am not somebody who gets out stressed by cleaning. I get out stressed by a deep dive research project or killing dragons in a video game. Um, gosh, do I wish I took out stress in like cleaning my tub, but I don't. I, I just don't. And so instead of trying to become somebody that Pinterest told me I should be, I decided to be who I was created to be. 
And so I opened up all this other bandwidth of like at night, I'm going to go downstairs in a little bit. My husband and I are going to swap places. He's going to come up to our study and play Dungeons and Dragons with a group of his friends. I'm going to go downstairs and read a book that I'm reviewing for work. Because at no point in time am I having to deal with bedtime or tub time. Right. Yes. So I'm doing it all by my definition of it all. Yeah. And how? So what everyone needs to figure out is your definition. And it's very freeing. That is a free uh, place to be. When you let go of what I should, shouldn't, all that, like, just let it go. And be who you really want to be and live the life you really want. It's okay. It's there and you can do it. And I think we're slowly like getting to that point of breaking free from these paradigm shifts that the shifts that we've all been raised in. And um, it's your life. What do you want? You can have it. I mean, like the first rule of life that we operated in Abbey Research and, and my friend Eleanor and I say like the first rule of, of creation, because we're both in in um, fandom, we're big in into fandom together which is a lot about creating transformative works of other people's intellectual property. So we're like, so what's the first rule of fandom? What's the first rule of life? First, do no harm and then do you. Love that. First, okay. do no harm and then do you. You started this on a napkin, this whole idea. So I, we started, gosh, I started one of our divisions on a napkin. Yeah, what was that? Tell us that story. So. Um, just a little bit of overview. My father started um, our network of companies about 30, over 30 years ago with the mission to impact lives and create wealth. And we, and that wealth is holistic. So we intentionally hire people who um, are traditionally unemployable. I'm using air quotes because we hate that phrase, but people in recovery, people out of halfway houses. Um, the deal to work at Abbey Color is that you have to show up sober every day and on time. And for the labor force, we'll teach you everything else you need to know. And so we've taken that spirit and applied it to every other organization we've ever started, every company that we've started, some that we've sold, some that we closed down. And so when I finished my PhD in 2015. In, in, in what? What was your Sociology. Major? Okay. Yeah. So I, my PhD is in sociology. I focus on um, the accidental silencing of women in Protestant religious spaces. That's why you are who you are. And you're able to say, I'm not going to wash dishes because that's not my thing. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Love this. I believe that Jesus created me for more than to be a walking womb. So that's a separate conversation. But um, my, I met my husband over in Northern Ireland. He is Northern Irish. And so we decided to emigrate back to America to join my family business. And wait, how did you, how did, wait, how did you end up in Ireland? I spun a globe in a bookstore and my finger landed on it. I Googled work jobs and I moved. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Get out. How long did you live there? Uh, so I was uh, there for a year after undergrad um, from 2005 to 2006, moved back to America, did my master's degrees at Baylor University. That's and awesome. then after that, moved back to Belfast to do my PhD. And I was there for about four years. So five years non-contiguously. And your master's was in? I have a master's of social work in international community planning and a master's of divinity in cross-cultural religious anthropology. Stop. That's crazy wild and cool. And your PhD is in? Sociology. Okay, that was the sociology. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I taught myself sociology to get a PhD. I don't recommend. <laughs> All right. And then, yeah. So what led to the napkin? 
so all that to say, I started with, I started a division of our company called Abby Research, okay, which is what we are the good doctors of. And then I ended up hiring my best friend when she emigrated home. And our whole thing has been, how do we impact lives and create wealth through the creation of ideas? And the, and what we're trained in is understanding culture and how humans fit into it. So how can we take what we were taught in the academy and leave the academy and give it to the marketplace? So like 17, 18, 19, lots of false starts, like lots of like, let's try this, lots of throwing spaghetti at the wall. And then we had some solid ideas in 2020. I mean, didn't everybody. And then of course, so um, in the middle of all of this, my family's gotten reinvolved with the college that my dad went to um, in Charleston called Charleston Southern University. And we had become quite friendly with the Dean of the College of Business. And about hmm, maybe, maybe a month into, the, into lockdown, he called my dad and he said, I've got three interns that aren't gonna graduate because their internships locations just pulled out for the summer. Like, and they need the internship this summer because they can't do it in the fall. Can you guys do anything with them? And my dad's like, well, we run a manufacturing firm, which is a little bit difficult to do remotely, um, but I'm sure Kristen can. So he walked into my office and he said, you have three interns. They start on um, June 2nd, figure out what you're going to do with them. (laughs) And so on a napkin, uh, I sketched out the beginning of the idea of what became the Community Research Institute. Then Erin added all of her brilliance. We built a website, um, our, our incredible techno mage, Eleanor, built a website and had it all up and running in about a week. That is awesome. And we had our first interns. And so we get to, we have the incredible privilege, it's evolved now, it's, you know, we have the incredible privilege of working with um, marketing majors at Charleston Southern University. And we help essentially prepare Gen Z for the workforce and the workforce for Gen Z. So they work for us and then we farm them out to other organizations. But in the work for us, they have to take a course on emotional intelligence. They have to read Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. They have to watch documentaries about cultures they've never encountered. In fact, if they try to watch documentaries about things we know they know about, we'll start like, they, they have this list they can choose from. And I had, we had a student last semester who the first two of the four he watched were like, you know a lot about that already you actually now need to watch this one. We're not gonna let you hide from this. Like you have to engage with difference. That's the internship. Um, So we're gonna have our, I think sixth cohort in the fall. One, two, maybe fifth, I don't even know anymore. Um, And it's this incredible privilege of watching these kids who so desperately wanna matter and are so traumatized. They don't even know what end is up anymore. College is completely different than what they thought it was going to be. Right. They are terrified to go out into the workforce because they don't even know what the workforce is. Right. They're getting all of this, these messages about the great resignation and like Gen Z should not resign. Like they need to work for people to pay off their loans. Like right. if you are leaving college, starting your own business is probably not the way to go. Um, you know, unless you have some real social, like real capital to play with, they, they need to pay off their loans. And nobody's and telling them this. And no one's telling them this. And whatever they see to- out there is not telling, showing them that this is what they should, that like nobody's guiding or, or leading them. 
Because so what, also the professors are so traumatized and so yeah. overworked and well, so busy, they can't do it. And, th- so and that's they what might we're be, trying to do. They might be struggling teaching a generation that doesn't exist anymore and teaching them something that isn't going to exist when they get out there. That I think maybe that's part of that disconnect too. So what would you say to parents who have rising college students going into this Gen Z generation? Like what what from a parent? What would you what would you wish a parent would hear from you with that now? Okay, so first of all, Gen Z is anyone born from 1995 to 2010. Okay. So put that that 15-year bucket in your mind. That's good. And then 2010 to 2025 is going to be Generation Alpha. Alpha. We're oh, starting right. the alphabet over again. Oh, so God, if you hysterical. so as you're listening to this, that's good. you have your you know your kids' birth ages. Yep. One of the things that you need to realize is that they are they are desperate to matter. They are desperate to be heard. They are desperate for the world to change because they've been watching it break their whole lives. Some generationally of their earliest memories is going to be the 2008 recession. So think about how you talked about money around the recession. Think about how your family talked about it. That's gonna shape a lot of how they see money and a lot of how they see the economy and a lot of how they see jobs. So we have a lot of different reactions. We have a lot of kids that are going into finance because gosh darn it, they're going to make money. And we have a lot of other kids that are like, I'm going to be an influencer because nothing matters anymore. And so I'm just going to influence. So that runs the gamut. Kids are kids and they're so different and they're everything else. But generational pattern wise, they're deeply insecure as a generation, deeply insecure more than we've ever seen before very unsure of their place in the world um, because the world isn't sure of its place in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And developmentally, the ages 13 to 25 are kind of the most important for becoming an adult. And so they were all pretty much that age when COVID happened. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Also, your brain isn't fully cooked until you're 25. So please keep that in mind. You're not just dealing with hormones as a parent. You're not just dealing with outside influences. You're dealing with literally their brain is still developing. Mm -hmm. So abstract thought is difficult. It just is. They can't physically conceptualize of what life is going to look like after college. It's not their fault. They're not lazy. Also, please know that your kids are in a massive mental health crisis. Their entire generation is in a massive mental health crisis, especially if your children are athletes. Division one athletes have seen a significant spike across the board in NCAA sports of death by suicide in the last couple of years. I'm not trying to be alarmist. I don't believe in being alarmist, but please understand that mental health is health. They know that. And if you don't believe that as a parent and you are telling them that it is a lie or they can sleep or they can, you know, take a bubble bath and get over it. You really, I would deeply encourage you to think about your rhetoric because your kid might need medication. Your kid probably needs therapy because every human does. And more than anything, your kid needs to be believed. They probably don't need to be punished. They probably don't need to be disciplined. What they probably need more is to be heard and believed. Someone to listen to them. So from, I was a youth worker for years before I did this job. I've been a college professor or TA in three, two countries and three states. 
And I'll tell you, and I'm a, I've done international social work. I've been in a million in like, I think at this point I'm up to like 49 countries. And here's what I'll tell you. Humans are humans. There's generational patterns that we need to be aware of. Your kid is different than you when you were growing up. Their interactions with other kids are different. They can watch the war in Ukraine on their phone. You couldn't do that when you were their age. No, we there are things that are different but your kid is still a human and all humans want to be loved, believed, seen, and heard. So if you feel completely lost with everything else, TikTok is overwhelming. Like you don't understand why crop tops are back. Don't worry, no one does. It's fine. You don't get the Crocs thing, all of this. Do whatever you can to make sure that they are seen, heard, believed, and loved. And you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So good. So why is it so important that you are training the Gen Z to see, hear, be exposed to different cultures than them? What is what, Why is that so important? Oh gosh, because I mean, like if I could do empathy education with every single professional adult, I would. I just only have these like five kids that they let me control. Um, because it helps them understand that their way of being human is not actually the default. Good. There's lots of ways to human. And Gen Z is the most diverse generation. Every generation is the most diverse generation. Spoiler alert. Um, every as, as people of different faiths and different ethnicities and different races and different, everything continue to intermarry. Everybody is going to be the most diverse. Um, this generation, Gen Z is also, is told by their peers on the internet to be angry a lot. They're coached, if your parents don't accept your gender, you know, walk away from them sometimes. They're coached in some really extreme black and whites. And I think the greatest, and teenagers, hi, I was a teenager of the 90s and aughts. I remember dramatically making assertions about the world that were black and white. Thank the Lord in all her heavens. I was not on Facebook. So there is no evidence of these declarations. And I will... But it's just what we do. Teenagers see the world in black and white. It's what they do. Um, and the greatest gift that we can give them is the shades of gray. Hey, I know that this is your experience. I know that you're seeing this on TikTok right now. I know that you're seeing this on Snapchat. Here is the lived experience of somebody else. That's why documentaries in particular are so powerful is because they're stories. You can disagree with it, but you have to, you have to, it happened. Deal with it. Nobody made that up. There's a it's great line really took in a place. Brooke Frazier song that says, now that I have seen, I am responsible. Mm. And that's what I try to give them. Like, hey, you can't say you didn't know. You can't say you didn't know. Yeah. A lot of our, we, a lot of our boy athletes, we ask them to watch athlete A, which is the story of the Larry Nassar scandal. And we ask them to think about like, hey, if one of your girl athlete friends came to you and said that your most revered coach touched her, what would you do? Right. We ask the kids at this very lovely Christian university to watch Ted talks about being gay. We ask the able-bodied kids to watch Crip Camp. And we just say, Hey, think about if you're, if you loved somebody whose life was this, 
Think about if your life was this. Think about as a leader that you're going to be in your organization, you hire somebody and you discover that your entire building is an ADA compliant. What are you going to do? Are you going to pass them over for the easier candidate or are you going to spend the capital and make your building ADA compliant? What are you going to do? Because they want to matter. They want to change. They want to learn these things. God, they're sponges. We jokingly, and I, I hope none of them ever hear this, this podcast, but we jokingly call them puppies because that's what they are. They are earnest and tripping over each other to change the world. Yeah. We just yeah. got to stop getting in their way and also to give them the tools to help them to understand the world they want to change. So good. Because we need them. We need them to change it. So good. Uh, so we're running out of time. And I'm going oh to I'm so sorry. And I'm going to have to have you back on the show because this is awesome. I am like loving every second of this. Um, so let's try to wrap up. <laughs> It's hard to re- it's hard to reel it in. No, no, don't say sorry. I just love giving, you know, snippets to our listeners because most of us only have like 20, 30 minutes. Give me something on the go because that's like totally what fair. I can check yep. in on. You know what and I mean? Who has commutes anymore? So yeah, I totally is, get it. This yeah. is awesome. I'm loving everything you're saying and I can't wait. We're, we'll definitely schedule a second episode. So what, what, with a parent listening right now, what is something that a parent could do to help their child, teen, young adult, uh, with this opportunity to give them this exposure to multiple different ways of thinking and cultures, like you're doing it at the college level with interns, but what could, what would you tell a parent to start a couple things to think about even this week with their child? If you have Disney plus you have access to the national geographic channel. If you have an, or like, let's say if you are a white family and you have absolutely no exposure to Asian mythology, watch Raya and the last dragon this weekend. If you, you know, if you have absolutely no exposure, if your kid's a reader, make sure they're reading Rick Riordan's books, um, his publishing books, because what he did with his influence and his money from Percy Jackson was open it up to mythology from all over the world. And you can read Percy Jackson-esque series about Hindu mythology and Chinese mythology and teenage 11, 12 year old heroes who are chosen ones in Hinduism. Pick a thing. We live in the, yeah, you have a streaming service in your house, most likely. Mm-hmm. If you are, if you have Comcast, you have Peacock. All of these include, God, Disney Junior has entire shows on Diwali. Like you, your kid is probably already exposed to this stuff. Yeah, probably. What your job is, is to sit down and watch it with them and ask them what they think is cool. Mm, good. If your kid's like, hey, you know, I watched this movie and I don't know what that tastes like. Google where there's a restaurant and why don't you guys plan dinner? And an ethnicity you've never eaten before. Show them that the world is bigger than they ever dreamed. It's the greatest gift you can give them is to, is to they can explore with you. Yeah, that's so good. And get out of the way. I love how you said that. Because there is. I tell, I tell teachers all the time, there's a story behind every behavior. The kid did what? Okay, that's what you saw in the instant. But let's, let's dig deeper. What happened? Who said what? How are they feeling? And lo- so many times there's like the story behind the story behind the story. And, and come to find out the kid didn't get to, you know, finish his breakfast that morning. And it just really, you know, started their day off wrong. Or something like we don't even know, but don't assume. And there's ask, a million truths behind every story. Oh, and I absolutely love it. I, I just love going deeper 
uh, finding out what you know what what's what's behind what really happened. And like you said at the beginning, uh, t- tell me the story of how how you came to that decision. That is so powerful. Instead of well, that's not going to work. Well, I don't think that. Well. Yeah. And so, and to follow up with that, and this is kids. And like, I mean, honestly, being a boss is, is frequently like parenting, um, small (laughs) children, but I'll just say like, okay, I love, I love that your line of thinking came from a really pure place, but I need to tell you where it went wrong. So good. So here, I love that your instinct was to protect the company. You went about it the totally wrong way. You blew the call. It's fine. Let's talk about how you can make a different decision in the future. Yeah. Right. You're saving them. You're keeping the relationship. You are validating. And hey, here we can correct. It's uh, you've got a really good base. You just you went left when you should have gone right. Let's talk about why you need to go right. It's not a huge deal. And who who won't respond to that? Be like, okay, and go on and not be offended and then leave. Right. Because that's what usually happens when there's something that, you know, like conflict. Um, Krista, this is just this is just amazing. Okay, so how can someone find and follow you? We are at Abby Research, A-B-B-E-Y, on every social but TikTok, because um, we observe TikTok. We do not create on it. We are old. Uh, and our website is argooddoctors.com. Uh, you can find all of our joy there, and the and either Aaron or I answer every direct message, so feel free to get in touch. Thank you so much, Kristen, and I can't wait to have you back soon. I can't wait. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.